have I mentioned that I cannot stand playing in Coors Field? What a roller coaster of a weekend. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. Series victory, obviously. Glad to get out of there with the win. Uh, I mean, injury updates, some people coming back, super exciting. And then Michael Lorenzen is your 2023 Detroit Tigers representative in the All-Star Game. Let's talk about all of it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, July 3rd, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by downloading it for free, Ibotta app, and using code MLB. All righty. Well, the Detroit Tigers take two of three from the Colorado Rockies in Colorado I said it going into the weekend, dog. Like, I do not like playing there at all. And it's been a while, thankfully, since the Tigers uh, have played in Coors. But uh, from here on out, right, we got to play everybody once. That doesn't mean we're going to be in Colorado necessarily every year. But uh, probably average out to every other year. And I, I, I can't stand it. Like as someone who is trying to analyze the game and trying to break down the game and 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 have these conversations with you all about uh, uh, whatever the moves to make, the numbers behind certain players, et cetera, et cetera, it's just so frustrating to play at Coors because like I almost just want to throw everything out. Like none of this, like Sunday's game really was the biggest one. Friday and Saturday, to to Coors Field's credit. Uh, was not as ridiculous as Sunday. But, like, you watch a game like Sunday and you're like, all right, well, like, this isn't happening ever again. Like, the Tigers aren't going to be a part of a game like this ever again. Colorado's going to be a part of 40 more. But we're not going to be – like, this is not happening. Like, this is not a a, a sustainable thing where, like, the Tigers aren't going to hit whatever, four or five home runs in a game. We're not going to have two grand slams in a game. It's been, like, 13, 14 years since we've done that last. Like – it, it, it's it's just they actually they tweeted out the names too. The last time the Tigers had two grand slams in a game, uh, the Tigers PR department is the first uh, person that I saw tweet this out. Um, they said that it was Brandon Inge and Ryan Rayburn. So there you go. That's how long it's been since the Tigers have had a two grand slam game. Um, so yeah, it's just like it, it's so weird for me to like break down the performances of a lot of these when. I don't know. Like, we'll even talk about Friday's game. Like, indirectly, I I believe was still influenced by the fact that they were in Coors. We'll talk about that when we get to Lorenzen's pitching performance. But I do want to start with just saying, great job getting a series win, and very important. I, I never expect a sweep going into Colorado. I think that like I don't care how good you are, or how bad Colorado is. That's a very very tall task just because it's Coors. Um, so. I'll gladly take two of three. Very, very gladly. 
And when you look at the road trip as a whole, when you go back and, and look at the Texas series, a split against Texas and a series win against Colorado, I think that's best case scenario for a lot of people going into this road trip, right? If you were to lay out, you know, what do you want to accomplish over? It was four games against Texas and three against Colorado on the road, right? What do you want out of this seven game road trip? I think most people would have said a split and two of three from Colorado is, is as good as I can hope for. And that's what they did. So props to them. They continue to find a way to keep their head above water. And they're what? 10 games under 500. It's really just the nine game losing streak. Like that, that's really it. it you can go back to, to the end of April. And that's really it. And, and, you know, they got to a slow start on the season two, if you want to go back that far, but like really outside of a week and a half at the beginning of June, they've been a 500 or better team since the beginning of May. There's just that one really, really bad week and a half stretch there to start off last month, last month. Now it's July. So, and I know you can't play that game and it's a very slippery slope and you can't just not count losses. I'm not trying to give them excuses. They still have a long way to go before I'm like a, a believer that this team is a, is like a, a solid, good product or whatever. But um, so many holes still, so many holes still in this lineup, especially. Um, but it is exciting to think of, what are they? Who I think the Twins lost today. Yep, we are four games out of first place. They're nine under 500. My apologies. They're four games out of first place. And this week, we'll get to the injury updates thing here. They have Eduardo Rodriguez and Tarek Skubal both back this week, pitching Tuesday and Wednesday, the first two games against the Oakland Athletics, who are historically awful. So you're four games out of first, and and look, I, I've said it a billion times. I'm not saying that this team is going to make a run. They, they still have a lot to prove to me. The, the majority of this lineup, I still think, it has so much room to improve to be a competent or albeit a, a competitive, you know, like second half of the season, you're making a playoff push lineup. Um, but it is exciting just of the prospect of, Hey, you're four games out of first place. Your two best pitchers are coming back this week. They'll be ready, obviously, by the other end of the all-star break then as well. Riley Green is now in Toledo and making his, supposed to be making his rehab assignment by, uh, they are hoping Monday, but we'll see what happens. If not, shortly thereafter. And Akil Badu is currently playing rehab games for the Toledo Mud Hens, and his shouldn't be too long. Then you have Alex Fiedo has been sent and starting his rehab assignment in AAA. He just got reassigned to AAA um, on Sunday. And Bo Brisky, as a pure reliever, has been pitching for Toledo. His velocity's up because he hasn't been given a lot of innings and he's just been kind of a pure reliever role. So the reinforcements are coming. This On the other half of the All-Star break, you could legitimately have all of those dudes I just mentioned back. And you're only four games out. I, I know it's, it's you know, smart kid in the dumb class or whatever, but I don't care. <laughs> I've gone through a lot of losing. I really don't care. 
Make the second half of the season fun. The, this fa- the fans in this city deserve it immensely. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the starting pitching. I want to start with Michael Lorenzen because he was the Friday starter. And then we'll talk about Michael Lorenzen again at the end of the show. Um, but so Lorenzen uh, didn't, he struggled a little bit. The, the results weren't great on Friday's game. Um, his final line would be, oh, I lost it. Dang it. His final line would be five innings, seven hits, five earned runs, one walk, and four strikeouts. His ERA up to 4-2-8 on the season. Uh, sounds like an all-star line to me. So I think that the biggest thing with this outing was I feel like, like he didn't get hit super hard in the sense that he was giving up like a billion home runs or anything like that, right? Like the Rockies, I think only had one homer on the game and Chase and Shreve gave that, gave that up. Like Lorenzen was just, it was single after single after single after single. And so I, I want to point to something in his repertoire that he used on Friday and why I think it happened. Because even though it wasn't a really a, a lot of extra base hits and a lot of hard, you know, deep fly balls. Like most times pitchers get rocked in Coors Field. I still think it was the Coors effect. And I'll explain why right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Ibotta. Like I said in the beginning, picking up burgers and hot dogs for a summer barbecue can be beneficial to you. Uh, you know you're already doing it, so why not get cash back with Ibotta? Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and you can get your cash back. It's truly that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 a year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you could use that cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing or that game you've been dying to go to or a fancy dinner that you've been craving. Other apps give you points that really don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you actually get real cash back that you can cash out at your bank account, PayPal, or into gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too, when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and so many more. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners just $5 for trying Ibotta by using the code MLB when you register. So you get 5 bucks just for signing up. Why not? Just go to the App Store, go to Google Play, download the free Ibotta app when you, when you use code MLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code MLB. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow's episode is going to look like yet. I do kind of want to start dabbling into draft season because that is only a couple weeks away now. Um, but uh, we do still have time for that. I'll see. I, I want to bring some people on, some like draft experts on as well to kind of pick their brain on it for you. Um, so if, if we might do that tomorrow, but also it's been really convenient having uh, like days off to start off months because we can do like month recaps and talk about kind of where the team stands. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't really figured it out yet, but we will be back tomorrow and I hope that it is a good episode. 
Shout out to the everydayers for real. I, I appreciate y'all greatly. Um, okay, let's get into this Michael Lorenzen start. So I think it's still a Coors effect thing. And again, not a lot of deep contact, but he threw the slider 33 times. He threw the changeup 26 times. He threw the sinker 20 times and the four-seam fastball only 14 times. That was his 95-pitch breakdown. He threw two sweepers as well for all you math people out there that were like, that doesn't add up. So what am I talking about? My point being is that I think they compensated greatly, perhaps even overcompensated, for playing in Coors Field. I think that the game plan for Michael Lorenzen, the sinker is comfortably his fourth thrown pitch. He throws the fastball the most, over 30%. He throws uh, the slider. at The fastball is at 33%. The slider is at 24%. The changeup is at 20%. The sinker is, throughout the season, only thrown 13% of the time. In this one, it was thrown 21% of the time and more than his four-seam fastball. And he went mostly breaking ball at more than any other pitch. So none of these numbers are really bad. Like he he had, uh, what, nine whiffs, five on the changeup. That's a solid number. Could have had more on the slider, I guess, in a perfect world. I uh, was missing up a little bit with that, which is always dangerous in Coors. Um, and yeah, I mean, like could have had a few more called strikes. Uh, wasn't really fooling anybody with a ton of, you know, didn't really freeze anybody. Again, not a huge whiff rate either. Um, but it wasn't an awful performance. Like the average exit velocity was 85 miles an hour. Like he, he, he didn't, he just, again, it was a lot of singles. And I think that the game plan was, we don't want you to leave the ball up. We don't want you to throw the fastball up in the zone and you have a sinker. You don't use it that much, but in Coors, if there's any place to use the sinker a lot, that's where to use it. And I think that they just went out there and you're like, just throw the sinker a lot more than you're used to. And it was just one of those games where the ball had eyes a little bit and, and he just got some seeing eye singles and it was just single after single sinkers. Don't miss bats. That that's like the, the, the big thing against them, right? We talk about that with Foley and Erod all the time. So in a game where you're going to throw that pitch more than you're used to, you're not going to get a lot of swings and misses. And the lineup was just able to put the ball in play. And, and it just is what it is. I, 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 I have a hard time taking really anything that happens in this ballpark when you're a road team with like a lot of, <laughs> a, a lot of, I don't know, more than a grain of salt. But so that was kind of my opinion of the Lorenzen start. Um, Shreve gives up a homer. That's a couple of bad outings in a row for him. He was really good from May 1st up until like two or three outings ago. And then now he's kind of reverted back to giving up a lot of hard contact. Mason Ingler going over two innings and not giving up a home run in Coors Field is something I did not have on my bingo card. So great job for him on uh, on Friday. Uh, then Saturday was a bullpen day. We'll talk about that a little bit after this. Let's talk about Matt Manning. Then we'll get into kind of the pen throughout the weekend. So Matt Manning starts Sunday's game. Uh, really, the, the biggest thing continues to be, uh, this is only his second start back from the IL, uh, just – how consistently can he locate his pitches? Uh, I, he didn't have any, I don't think he had any walks in this ball game. I'll get the final line up here in a second. I got to jump from box score to box score here. Um, his final line would be five innings, five hits, four in runs, no walks and four strikeouts. Um, so it, it wasn't like he had 
you know, like like this where he was just all over the place for entire at bats. It was just like pitch to pitch. You had no clue what you were gonna get. Um, he went out there and he would get go down three one and then pound the zone the next two pitches and and the ball would get put in play. Uh, got hit decently hard at times. Gave up some hard contact for sure, um, but no home runs against for him either. Uh, in a game on Sunday, especially that had a lot of home runs given up between uh, both teams. So yeah, like th- this was really, he wasn't fooling anybody. Uh, he, he had, he ended with nine whiffs, but I think in the first like inning and a half, he didn't, he had like 30 or 40 pitches and not a single swing and a miss. Um, so again, he picked that up eventually, but really the, the biggest thing for me, uh, I mean, he, he only threw really two pitches. And I know you're kind of afraid to throw the curveball in Coors Field. Uh, you only threw five changeups all game. The, an overlying theme throughout his entire professional career, dating back to 2016 when he was in the first round, was can he develop a third pitch? And in this game, he really only threw two pitches. And everybody could tell the difference between them pretty clearly. It wasn't really fooling too many people with it. Four Ks in five innings, not a disaster, but very, very high pitch count. Um, got the win. Four earned runs. I mean, it, you know, not the worst outing ever, especially again given where they were. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't have too much of an issue with it. I don't have too much else to say on it either. Uh, it, it just it really comes back to consistently finding the strike zone with his fastball. That will forever be the the biggest thing standing between Matt Manning and a good start every single time he takes the bump. If the fastball is located good, I have a lot of faith that it's going to be a pretty darn good outing. He has one of the best fastballs in baseball last year. Legitimately. We talked about it a lot in the offseason. Um, one of the like best run values on a four-seam fastball in the entire sport. Um, but just very inconsistent with the command. And again, it's only his second start bat. Uh, what, he'll have one more before the All-Star break. So hopefully he can kind of get his legs under him there. But um, hoping, hoping for in the second half, Manning takes uh, takes a pretty big step forward. That would be my hope. Okay, let's talk about the bullpen. Another bullpen day, obviously, as we said on Saturday. And they continue to win bullpen days. Uh, it's it's remarkable to me. Uh, and we've said it before. I think A.J. Hinch loves bullpen days. I think that he does really well with them. I think that the way he just is such a good bullpen manager that I think he, he can really play into his specialty as a manager. Uh, with those and especially with a lineup that no matter where they're playing is not very good in the Rockies lineup uh, he was able to do really well Brennan White started this game one in a third one hit one walk one K no runs Zach Logue three and a third one hit no runs one walk two K's I thought the stuff was actually pretty good for Logue on Saturday uh, I will say that I I'm gonna Well, uh, unfortunately, I do believe this will be his only appearance as a Tiger. I think when, um, well, at least in this stint, I guess I should say, who knows what happens in the second half of the year. But I think when Erod and Scoob will come back, he will be one of the casualties of those moves. Uh, But if it is his only outing as a Tiger, hats off, brother, because very very, pitched really well. I mean, his stuff legitimately played, I thought. Jose Cisnero, one in the third, one run against. And then uh, Tyler Holton, another shutout inning. ERA back down to 206. Jason Foley does Jason Foley things, one inning of shutout ball. And then Alex Lang goes two innings, zero earned runs, one walk, two strikeouts. ERA down to 389 again. Does give up the Manfred runner there in the second, but a two inning save in Coors 
Very, very nice to see. Did have the one walk, but as a whole, I was much more impressed with this outing uh, than his last several. So that was Saturday. And really throughout the entire weekend, the bullpen was uh, pretty solid until Sunday. And I I don't want to just keep using it as a cop-out, but like it's so difficult for me to take any of these numbers like with with a lot of weight. Um, Brennan White missed a couple of spots very much so. He also got absolutely screwed thanks to some horrific defense by the Detroit Tigers in this game, which we'll talk about after the break here. Um, But like... I don't know, like outside of the Tyler Alexander home run, I thought the bullpen did pretty well all weekend. Um, And and that was really the only blemish uh, this, the entire three game series. Like the only thing I really look at and I'm like, oh, that could have been, I I guess a little bit better. That was just a bad pitch that got turned on. But again, that's even still a home run in Coors. Like I, I I don't know. I, I, I think given the, the, the situation that they were put in bullpen day, home run friendly park, et cetera. I'm very, very pleased with how this bullpen performed the entire weekend. I, I think two thumbs up. Very, very happy with uh, with how they did. Thought they were managed well. And, and this this bullpen continues to impress a lot of people, uh, myself included. So, okay, let's talk about the offense and the defense and then Michael Lorenzen being the all-star. We'll do that right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two, three, third and final segment, rather, of Locked On Tigers. Um, okay, so in the same breath that I've been complaining about Coors nonstop for pitching stats, it's only fair that I feel the same way about the offense. Now, the first two days, the offense was, I, I thought, pretty embarrassing, uh, to be completely honest with you. I was very, very frustrated. Um, game two until the Zach McKinstry home run. One of the most frustrating games I've watched all year. Uh, They got absolutely sliced and diced by a bunch of five-plus ERA relievers in Coors Field. I think that that is unbelievably embarrassing. On Friday, they only scored... How many runs did they get off of him? Let's make sure my numbers are correct. I think it was three. They gave up... Yeah, so Austin Gomber started... He went seven innings, two earned runs, three runs total, seven strikeouts. For those who don't know, Austin Gomber going into this outing had an ERA of seven and was legitimately, there was a legitimate argument now that Joey Wentz is in AAA, that Austin Gomber is the worst everyday fifth starter in Major League Baseball this season. And he put out the best outing of his season. It's the, it's the longest outing of his season uh, and only two earned runs against in Coors Field. Just a, a roll over, no life whatsoever performance by the offense on Friday. Unbelievably frustrating. And then they follow it up Saturday with, again, like I said, another dud. I mean, thank goodness, Zach Mahimstry came through and hit the home run late because uh well was at the 10th inning in extras uh because they got again one run and and bullpen games I think a lot of people view bullpen games as like the other team is punting I think that's somewhat of the opposite of the case uh they're punting on using their bullpen the rest of the series if it's like early on for sure because you need innings and that's why every team just can't just do 
bullpen games every day. You, you, you need innings very, very badly. Um, and we've talked about that at length. We, everybody knows my fascination and, and my, my, uh, passion for, uh, for innings, but, um, I like it, it, you can play matchups a lot better and it, it is a lot harder than you think to score consistently off of uh, a team that's having a bullpen day, but there's still no excuse for this. The Rockies bullpen is bad. You're playing in Coors Field. At one point, they had a dude go out there who had a seven ERA in Triple A. That was a legitimately a reliever they used at one point. Not a seven ERA in Coors. Not a seven ERA in the majors for the Rockies. He had a seven ERA in Triple A this season and pitched in this ball game. And you had one run through nine innings. Again, thank goodness Zach McKinstry did well, and we had a bullpen day two on that day, and obviously we did well. So um, frustrating until it wasn't. And then Sunday, you get the full Coors effect, and there's just what we had five homers, two grand slams. Like Jake Marisnik's not going to hit a grand slam again, right? He might not even hit a homer again for the Tigers, genuinely. That might be his his only home run in his Tigers career. That, that's a very, very, very real possibility, right? Um Jake Rogers homers, Spencer Torkelson homers. He had a great day on Sunday, just all around. Uh, I, all of his at-bats were good, drawing walks, hitting the ball hard, double down the line, homer, etc. He looks really, really good. And this is now since the start of the Rangers series. His numbers, or since the, whenever the first homer he hit in the Rangers series, if that was day one, whatever. Since then, his numbers are really good. We need sustained good ABs for the foreseeable future. We can't just have this like dips and uh, spikes and and peaks and valleys, whatever analogy you want to use, because I apparently can't pick one. Um, We we need consistent ABs. And even this weekend, he had, what was it, Saturday? I I keep having to jump between box scores. I apologize. Uh, uh, Saturday, one for four with a walk. One of these days I, I was watching him and I was like, man, like even this, I guess he had one for four with an RBI on, on Friday as well, but he had a couple of at bats. I think it was Saturday where like, he, I mean, chased way out of the zone again and like clearly mad at himself and understands that, that he needs to get better. But uh, just, uh, uh, it's been good. It's been a nice heater, but we need sustained, good, consistent ABs for like, at this point, I'd take like a, a a week. You give me like a like an a thousand OPS over a week, I'll be like, all right, dude, it's in there. Like it, it deep within him, it is possible. Like he he's a, a really good major league hitter is in there. Just need the consistency. Um, but yeah, another homer in this game. Fantastic game on Sunday. For as much as I'm trying to pinpoint one bad at bat I found over the weekend. It should not take away from it. It was a solid weekend, and Sunday specifically, I thought he looked fantastic at the plate pretty much the entire day. Um, Zach McKinstry, nice little solid weekend. Good to see. Still the same holes. Uh, even the, the balls that he was hitting just weren't in those bad areas, so like nothing really changed on my analysis there. Matt Beerling, really solid weekend. 747 OPS for Matt Beerling. Oh, actually, I think it might have gone up. I think I'm looking at what it was on Friday. Uh, McKinstry 716 OPS Torkelson up to a 716 OPS uh, Javi Baez 693 OPS we almost have a, a toll top three of an OPS over 700 
My goodness, I never thought I'd see the day. What a, what a low bar, but um, he had the grand slam. And, and everybody, you know, every, anytime Javi does anything, everybody freaks out. Um, just uh, like it was, <laughs> it was a slider low and in. All season, he's crushed sliders low and in. So no one throws him sliders low and in. It was a mistake pitch. They were trying to get it outside. They missed. I, I don't, he still went one for five with two Ks. It was his only hit. Like he's still the same guy. It's nothing, nothing changed. Like, it's not like, oh, he had a grand slam. Maybe he, it's like turning a corner. Like, no, he, the pitch that the only pitch, the only pitch he's been crushing all year, he continued to crunch. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, Kerry Carpenter, really solid weekend as well. Very, very solid Sunday. Got some ABs against lefties as well. Uh, went opposite way with a homer on Sunday. Veerling, seven, geez, 275 average, 763 OPS for Matt Veerling. Heck yeah. Tyler Nevin, 0 for 3, 128 average. His OPS is now officially under 400. He got pulled from the game on Sunday. He went 0 for and made an error. I... I just, and look, like, I'm sure that when these guys start coming back and getting healthy again, he will not make it, right? He's going to be one of the first guys that's sent down. Um, But just the principle of him over Meadows just still bothers me immensely. Um, Jake Rogers, 203 average. Jake Rogers has a batting average over 200. 777 OPS. He's the second highest OPS on the team. So I don't really care about his batting average. Every hit is an extra base hit and he walks a boatload and he is so valuable behind the plate. I can't even put into words. And then obviously Mariznick hits the grand slam. Look at that. Good ball game. Um, Okay. Let's, I want to talk about the defense and then we'll do a little bit of Michael Lorenzen talk. So defensively Sunday was a train wreck. I was so upset. I I, I, infuriated would honestly be a, a great way to describe it. This team, it's it's mind-boggling how they refuse to watch the trail runner. Like refuse. I I it I I've I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like it. They they it's like they don't even know it exists. They don't even know the trail runner is a thing. It drove me up a wall on Sunday because they did it like three times. Stop throwing the ball from the outfield to the base where the lead runner is if you have no chance of getting him out. Stop. Throw it to second or hit the cutoff, man, for the love of everything. My heart can't take it. I I, I just, it, it, it'd be one thing if it happened like once or twice in April it's like, oh, start of the season, this is dumb and frustrating and you're a major leaguer and you should know better and I'm still very upset with you, but like, you know, we'll see, adjustments will be made, whatever. No, it's consistently been a thing all year. If you listen to the show every day, A, I love you. B, I've been talking about this probably once every once every two weeks, certainly more than once a month. For this entire season, this comes up all the time. Matt Veerling did it. Kerry Carpenter did it. He's going to be a DH long-term. I'm sorry. I, I, I Again, like I, I said this last time, he proved everybody wrong at the plate. Uh, I'm sure he he's like an athlete. He is athletic. I think he has the ability 
somewhere in there. But right now, there uh, it's really hard to justify having him play any defense. He is a a like I'm not not even borderline. He's just straight up been a liability out there um, defensively. Uh, should still be in the lineup every day though. It, and it's it's just it's one of those things where I I just I can't believe it keeps happening. Matt Veerling makes a great diving catch. A play later, throws the third. Let's Harold Castro basically walk to second base. Why? I have no clue. It wasn't even close of a play at third. Then Kerry Carpenter, I think, throws home on a play. Zero chance of getting him. Like negative chance, if that was a thing. There was no reality in which he was going to get out. Runner advances to second. They've been doing it all season long. Every outfielder, too. It's not just Carpenter. Matt Veerling is a plus, I believe, is a plus defender when he's at the corners and not in center. Riley Green's done it a couple of times, and I I got on his case about it. Whoever is in charge in this coaching staff of helping the outfield defense needs to to answer some questions publicly. (laughs) Okay, I'm being very dramatic, but it's very frustrating to me. And it costs you 90 feet, and you are not a good enough baseball team to continue to let the other team get an extra 90. You can't. You know how huge that is? You only have to go 90 feet four times to score a run. You can't just give 90 away this consistently, dog. You can't. Oh, my gosh. It's it's the stuff like that that just drives me nuts. Oh, I didn't expect the most upset I was about this entire thing to be about. Oh, I kind of did, actually. It really drove me just wild. So please make an adjustment. I don't want to keep talking about this. Your major leaguers. Hit the cutoff. Don't be a superhero. Just throw it to the cutoff, man. Golly. Um, okay. And then other defensively, very quickly, Javi Baez. Say what you will about his offense. I just talked about it. So it's a long way to go uh, until he's looked at uh, more fondly in the over, you know, the entire fan base. Uh, but there's no denying he is still a premier defensive shortstop in this league. He is one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball this year. I believe uh, he was last time I looked, he was in the 98th or maybe even 99th percentile and outs above average. Uh, very good DRS numbers, elite outs above average numbers at perhaps one of the, not even perhaps, probably one of the three most important defensive positions on the baseball field. He's very valuable still in that regard and made legitimately one of the best defensive plays I've seen in a very long time from a shortstop. Truly unbelievable. Um, and then Spencer Torkelson, not a very good fielder, to be honest with you, but what, like on balls in play, I should say but is legitimately one of, if not straight up, the best at scooping the baseball in all of, in, in all of baseball. So, um, yeah, nice little duo there with how kind of crazy Javi's throws can get at times. Throwing errors, not included in OAA. Um, okay, let's talk about Michael Lorenzen. This is going to be a really long episode. I apologize. Uh, so Michael Lorenzen is named the All-Star. I don't have a, like, 20-minute spiel on this. I really don't. First off, it's not the dude's fault. Everybody that's, like, going after him, it, it, you're ridiculous. Like, calm down. <laughs> it, 
Michael Lorenzen did not make himself an all-star. Michael Lorenzen is not going around going, oh, I'm an all-star caliber pitcher, whatever. Like, he even said when he was asked about it, he's like, I have an ERA in the mid-fours. Like, this has to be a mistake. I thought I was getting pranked. And that was legit. And he said, like, it, it probably should have been Foley or Lang or I think he said Holton's name too. Like, the, the, the so everybody take a breather with, like, harping on Lorenzen individually. That's beyond not deserved. He didn't do anything wrong. Um, but my my biggest thing here is that I don't know if it's, like – I, I, I genuinely, I don't know how the reserves, like how that process really works. Um, I know that obviously every team needs to have a representative and I know that the reserves and pitchers are voted via a player vote and there's a big and there also the commissioner's office. So like, we don't have a peek behind the curtain. We don't know if like, players just were like yeah Lorenzen's just really really good I don't know what to tell you and like he was like the the player vote or if there was like hey the American League has a lot of elite closers okay and Alex Lang did not have a good June I don't think Alex Lang deserved to be an all-star I genuinely don't I think he should have been the all-star last year instead of Gregory Soto um, because his first half was really good I don't think Alex Lang should have been the Tigers all-star this year. I don't. I shouldn't have been Michael Lorenzen, um, but I don't think it should have been Lang, but it mostly goes to elite closers. And and you have, I mean, just in the AL Central alone, you have two of the best closers in the entire game of baseball, right, um, in, in Minnesota and Cleveland. So, like, they're, they're maybe they were like, oh, like, we already have a lot of, like, one-inning reliever or closers in our bullpen uh, so we're going to go with a starter for the Tigers and the only healthy starter right now that really is Michael Lorenzen. So it's going to be him. In my opinion, it should have been Jason Foley. And everybody knows that I'm a big Jason Foley fan, but I think it pretty comfortably should have been Jason Foley at that. He's got like a 215-217 ERA on the year. One of the best ground ball pitchers in the entire game of baseball. Just for reference, um, if you use Fangraphs War, right, F4, Jason Foley is, as a reliever, in the end of June, as a reliever on July 2nd, has a war of 1.1. If you're not familiar with war, don't really use it. That is insanely good. The best relievers in baseball over the course of a season usually have ERAs that are like one and a half, Maybe like the best reliever in baseball will be pushing two or whatnot, right? Like that that's how war is really kind of affected for those relievers. So the fact that we have a reliever on our team that's already worth a win, according to fan graphs, at the start of July, and he's not an all-star, I think is asinine. I think it's really a failure of the system here. He nobody on this team deserves to be an all-star healthy, deserves to be an all-star more than Jason Foley. And I do feel for him. This all being said, the like, oh my goodness, the Tigers are so bad. Look, 4-3 four, four ERA or 4-3 ERA, Michael Lorenzen has to be their all-star, whatever, is just as ridiculous. Um, The team, the, the people that deserve to be all-stars are hurt. It's not rocket science. Like, we're not the first team ever to have injuries. I, 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 I just, 
this is like not a big deal to me because of that. Like I, I, everybody's freaking out about it. Like what? Like this is, and I understand if you think Foley should have been over him, I get that. But like just the premise of, of Lorenzen, like if Erod was healthy, guess what? It would have been Erod and it wouldn't have even been close. If Riley Green was healthy, he would have been in the mix. He would have been in the conversation. I, American League outfield is loaded, but he would have been in that mix 100%. The two guys that deserve to be all-stars are hurt, dog. I don't know what to tell you. Like, it, it, it's not like a, a, a big brain. Like, like again, it's not rocket science. So, I don't know. Uh, let's have fun with it. Let's support him in the all-star game. Hopefully, he gets into the game and can do do kind of well. We'll see what happens. But, like, I, I don't know. I Everyone's acting like the sky is falling and, like, this, uh, this is some, like, major, major huge deal. I feel bad for Foley, but... I don't have any like negative opinions on Lorenz in, in a vacuum being the all-star. It just is how it played out. And it's, yeah. I think that's all I got. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Uh, shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow, like I said. Not sure what it's going to look like, but it's going to be a fun show. This is so long. This is the longest episode I've had in a while. So I apologize. We're like pushing 40, 45 minutes here. But very, very jam-packed weekend. We'll be back tomorrow with a much shorter episode. I appreciate y'all for putting up with me. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. And I'll catch y'all then, baby. Go Tigers.